Wolf, get away from those sheep. Bollocks. You're listening to the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. Broadcasting from Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. Now, get ready for this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today, if you couldn't figure out by the giant (laughs) sign behind us, we have Tim O'Hare, who is running for Tarrant County Judge. Tim, glad you could join us. Good to be here, guys. Right off the bat, something very important we got to discuss because they play in Tarrant County. And if you're elected, I think this becomes your responsibility. What are we going to do about the Dallas Cowboys? So, uh, what is it now? 26 years since we've gone past the first round of the playoffs? Exactly. Um, I mean, if there's one man that can fix this as Tarrant County judge, I think it's you, right? Well, I'm going to do my best. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a season ticket holder of the Cowboys. Oh, okay. And in fact, I'll tell you, you can go a little deeper. Um, the first time I went to the Cowboy game, was in December of 1977. I was eight years old. My mom took me to the game, and the Cowboys played the Broncos. They won the game 14 to six, you know, at our, the old Texas Stadium. And ultimately, the Cowboys played the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Beat them in the Super Bowl, 27 to 10, Super Bowl 12, in, in uh, at the New Orleans Superdome. So uh, I'm a lifelong Cowboy fan, and uh, this has been a this has been a long suffering stretch, the longest in the history of the Cowboys. I saw this morning Matthew Stafford, uh, Rams quarterback, has now won as many playoff games in the last three weeks as the Cowboys have won in like 25 years. Uh, Is that not stunning? Yeah. I mean, it's it's extremely disappointing. And, And, of course, his wife is a Bengals fan. So she's extremely happy right now. And I bet. So, so that's a, a rough house to that, be around. Uh, so that quarterback is, uh, he's something else. Yeah. And only in his second year, when I was, I, so I went to Texas, and we went and watched the Texas LSU game in Austin when uh, the year LSU won the national title. And uh, he, uh, he, was, he was phenomenal. And, you, you know, some of them you can watch and you can just tell, this guy's going to be good. You could tell this guy had, had it. He has, he's got it. So he's going to be around, you know, if he stays injury-free for a long time to come. Yeah. I'm kind of pulling for Matt Stafford just because he's a local guy. Sure. And anybody that has, stays their entire career with the Lions, uh, you know, who it, probably yeah. the worst franchise in all <laughs> professional sports, you know, somebody, and he stayed forever. Right. Um, he's got to be a pretty decent guy. But I mean, everything I've heard about the guys, he's just a good guy, good man. So I'm, I'm kind of pulling for him. But it's it's cool to see the Bengals. I mean, it's always neat to see somebody that's never won a Super Bowl win a Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. And the Bengals have never won. In fact, I can't tell you the last time they went, but they've been – Stopped, uh, I think, every Cindy, time they went. Cindy said that last night. I was like, Text, 80, mes- text messaging wasn't invented. So this weekend was the first time anybody has ever sent a text saying the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Boomer yeah. Esiason, I think, was the quarterback last time they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think they lost to the 49ers. They lost the 49ers yeah. once. I know that. I think Ken Anderson might have been the quarterback mm. then. And I think Boomer took them once. Whatever it's been, it was a, it was a long time ago. It is a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. But let's talk about, rather than you know something losing, let's talk about a, <laughs> a, a win a that you A winning campaign? Had. It, okay. Yeah. Well, it, you just had a win uh, that you posted on social media, the Tarrant County straw poll, if I'm getting that right, yeah. uh, that you you won that straw poll. Can you kind of describe to us exactly what that was and what the significance behind that is? Sure, yeah. So there's a group of uh, people in Tarrant County uh, that put together this thing every two years called, uh, and not every two years, but usually every two years, called the Tarrant County uh, Republican Candidate Fair and Straw Poll. And so what they do is they Candidates can get a table at a convention center. This one was at the Hearst Convention Center. They've done another one at Arlington Convention Center. And uh, they just invite the public in to meet the candidates. It's free for the public to attend, free parking, free attendance. You come in, and uh, you can meet all the candidates that are on the ballot that are are there. And uh, then they have a straw poll where they'll take, you know, people will vote on who they want to see win. And uh, I think they had three, 4,000 people come through there, you know, Tarrant County, Republican voters, and we ended up uh, not only winning uh, our race in the straw poll with we had sixty five percent of the vote, and the next uh, leading candidate I can't I can't think of her name had thirty one percent. But what was really cool is we had more votes than anyone in the entire poll. 
So Mm-mm. we had a lot okay. of people come out to support us. And it's because people are tired of the same old, same old. They are tired of people who don't fight. And I think people know now in this country is not the time for Republicans who are going to reach across the aisle and go along to get along. Now it's time to stand up and fight. And that's something I've done you know, in any political job I've ever done. It's something I do for a living. And people can tell when somebody's genuine and when they just when it's rhetoric. And for me, it's genuine, and it's I have a record to show it. Now you've got a lot of uh, signs around. You've pretty uh, visual. I actually saw a dairy cow chewing on the corner of one of your signs on Roof Snow the other day. So I thought pretty good endorsement. I was going to say good, good advertising. I was going to take a photo, yeah. but I was going about fifty-five <laughs> and a forty, and I couldn't get my hand out the window. But. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got a very visual campaign almost everywhere I turn on my regular route. So see your signs up. How many Good. signs have you got across kind of North Tarrant, do you think? So I think we have about 2,000 signs. Now, the bit really big ones uh, that we have out, I mean, it's only a couple hundred, but the little ones, we, we can't order signs fast enough. Yeah. And I don't say that as some kind of cutesy little thing to say. I mean, we really can't get them in fast enough. So we have... Uh, we run out. People say we want more, so we go order more. You know, the th- thing with signs is signs don't vote, and the vote is not determined by how many signs are out there. It's good for your supporters to see your signs, but at the end of the day, people vote on issues. Mm-hmm. People vote on who their friends are telling them to vote for, who they see groups that they that they respect or follow, tell them who to vote for, and especially when it, we're talking about a down ballot race. I mean, you know, almost everybody that's going to go vote in this primary on March 1st knows who's running for governor or knows who they're going to vote for for governor. Not everybody knows when they go down, go down, go down, go down, and we're past attorney general, we're past lieutenant governor, we're past all these things. Not everybody knows who they're going to vote for for county judge. So uh, we've been working like maniacs to get our message out, to tell people who we are, what we stand for, and to tell people who my opponent is and what she stands for, which if you're sitting uh, where I am, it's it's a lot of things that aren't very conservative and that uh, we don't need in Tarrant County. Right. So before we dig into that, let's remind everybody, of course, you know, we're, you know, listened to all over, you know, all over the world. But for those Tarrant County folks, can you remind them when they can go vote, uh, how to find out where to go vote, election day, all that good stuff. You bet. So election day, so right now what people are going to vote in is a primary election. So you're picking your candidate in whichever party's primary you want to go vote in. And the election is, election day is March 1st. Uh, Early voting is February 14th, Valentine's Day through the 25th. What better thing can you offer the love of your life than to go out and vote on Valentine's Day Actually, and I then have dinner just, afterwards? Well, yeah, he just made me figure out what I'm going to do with the wife for Valentine's Day. I'm I mean, like, look, I took mm. you out. I mean, that does count, right? I took her out of the house. I'd take her to go vote. I'm like, well, you get your little I voted sticker. There's the Valentine's Day present, twofer, and you're done. Mm. It'll definitely be a Valentine's Day she'll never forget. Absolutely. That, uh, mm. So uh, that's that's what's, that's what's going on there. Um, 14th through the 25th, early voting, election day, March 1st. What we suspect will happen in the primary is anywhere from 65 to 70% are going to vote in early voting. So that has shifted almost every two years pretty significantly. Uh, used to be a really small percentage of people that would go early vote. Now it's the overwhelming majority. Uh, we had school board, pretty contentious school board races in South Lake Carroll ISD uh, in May and then a special one in November and I mean, it's it's seventy seventy five over there, voted done at the end of early voting. Now, kind of help me out here because it used to be in early voting you could go anywhere, and then on election day you had to kind of go to your polling place. Is that still the way it is early voting wise? So there, the the Tarrant County Republican Party runs the Republican primary. They contract with the county to handle the election, to use the machines, to count the votes. Uh, Democrat Party does the same thing. So I don't think they have made the final determination yet. If they have, I don't know. I mean, they could have made it at the end of last week, and and I don't know yet. I don't think they've made the final determination. Are they going to require everybody to vote in their precinct, or are they going to let you go anywhere you want to go? I know there's been talk about reverting back to you can only vote in your precinct. Okay. All right. So we'll have to wait and find out on that one. Now, for people who don't really put the time in to research, what 
differentiates you from the other candidates running and probably especially the other Republicans running yeah. because, you know, we all thought we were on the same side until the last four years came about and then the rhino made an appearance, the Republican in name only, when a lot of these people are really about keeping their seat regardless of policies. And, you know, I know you're a strong Republican, you've got great endorsement. What sets you apart for the listeners who are still perhaps on the fence or really don't know anything about any of the candidates? What are you bringing to the table that you think you can offer to Tarrant County that the others won't? Yeah, well, so that's a great question. I, I think the first piece of it is I have run a very successful um, for-profit company uh, for over two decades. And uh, I'm the CEO. I'm the one that's managed the budgets, set the budgets, worked on the budgets, adjusted the budgets, met the budgets. Uh, I have... Uh, sign checks on payroll day twice a month every month for over 20 years and never missed one. So I actually understand what the government does to hinder small businesses. And in Tarrant County, the overwhelming majority of jobs that we have in the county are small business jobs. So uh, I, I bring that experience to the table. But I've also been involved in government from the standpoint of I was a city councilman, I was a mayor, uh, unpaid positions. But uh, I have managed and voted on really big budgets and uh, I have a record of actual conservative votes and actual conservative stands. Uh, also, I've been heavily involved here in the last year and a half in the battle in our public school district, South Lake Families PAC, is something that I formed to help take over the school board and wrestle it away from more liberal, progressive-oriented school board trustees. We've been successful at doing that. But, but I, I would say, ultimately, the biggest difference, there's five people in the primary Republican primary race. Three of them have hardly raised any money. They're not going to get a lot of votes. Uh, they, they're, they're, just, they're not going to be significant uh, players in the election. But my opponent, who's has the highest name ID and the, the race most people view it is between the two of us, um, was a former mayor of Fort Worth. She has raised money for Planned Parenthood. She supported the Joe Biden infrastructure plan. Uh, she wrote a letter asking Congress to put more gun control measures in place. She increased spending in her city while she was mayor by $600 million. She added 500 employees to the payroll while she was mayor. She created a diversity and inclusion department uh, that hired Pete Buttigieg's LGBTQ community adv advocate from South Bend, Indiana, to come down here and run it, a hardcore Democrat, said she couldn't wait to get her down here and couldn't wait to see her go change policies throughout the city. It's funny, she brought this person in, this diversity and inclusion department, created it, brought them in, cost a million dollars to Fort Worth taxpayers annually, but she brought them in because she said there was systemic racism within Fort Worth. Well, she was the one in charge of Fort Worth for eight and a half years while all this apparent systemic racism was going on. To me, it's a pretty simple fix. If you have people that don't know how to treat people, then you fire them. Um, you don't go spend a million dollars to go try to train people how to be nice and normal. Now, my, my suspicions are uh, they don't have a problem in Fort Worth. This is just more liberal garbage that, that gets peddled on us every day trying to create issues that don't exist. Um, other things she's done, uh, she added $3.2 billion in debt to the city of Fort Worth. Uh, I, I mean, I can go on and on and on about who she is. Uh, ultimately, I think what people need to know is all those things I just described about her, I'm the exact opposite of. Like, I, I would never dream of raising money for Planned Parenthood. I think that's the most evil, vile organization probably in the United States of America today. Um, I'm pro-life, I've always been pro-life. You don't have to wonder or worry if it's real. Uh, we give money to many pro-life causes. We have always supported pro-life causes. We support women's homes where they take care of unwed mothers and, and encourage them to have their babies and they provide prenatal care and they provide counseling to the moms. We've been involved in that for as long as I can remember. Uh, and we have a, a record of standing for actual conservative things. When I was mayor of Farmers Branch and on the city council, we brought in something called 287G. 287G is a federal program where local law enforcement uh, can be trained by the feds to essentially act as ICE agents in the community 
And as a result of us doing that in Farmer's Branch back in 2006, uh, 2006, 2007, it's right around that time frame. As a result of us doing that, we sent more than 4,000 violent illegal alien felons out of our country. And that was just in Farmer's Branch. We were the first governmental entity in the state to do it. And after we did it, multiple other cities and counties followed suit, including Tarrant County, which does it now, and that has kept us safe. When in South Lake Carroll ISD, when the school board put something up called a Cultural Competence Action Plan that was essentially a Marxist, socialist, critical race theory plan, I organized the effort to defeat it. We formed a political action committee. We recruited candidates to run for office. We uh, raised an incredible amount of money for a local school board issue we hired lawyers, we sued the school district, we stopped it, we got our people elected, real conservatives who then went in and immediately got rid of this cultural competence action plan, disbanded something called the District Diversity Council, and now they're actually cutting taxes, balancing budgets, doing things conservatives are supposed to do. I led that effort in South Lake, and we had an army of people, but uh, I, I led the effort. And then what I've proposed in Tarrant County is, we, we can get into more details, but I've proposed a significant property tax rate cut. Our taxes in Tarrant County are ridiculously high, our property taxes. I've proposed measures that will combat voter fraud and make sure we have true election integrity and stop the cheating in Tarrant County. And I'm a guy that will stand up to the mob, that will stand up to the media, I'm not going to make decisions based on, well, how will this affect my next election or how, what's the media going to say about me? I'm going to do what's right, and I don't care what those people say. I'll stand strong, and I'll be that guy that most Republicans say, I wish we had somebody like this. You know who they're saying it about right now? They're saying it about Ron DeSantis. Gosh, we wish we, wish we had more people like Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. Um, it's why President Trump was so popular because he stood up for people. He, he was for the people and he stood up against all the bureaucrats and all the entrenched government. And by the way, President Trump has endorsed my campaign. Yeah, I think, you know, the person you're talking of, she runs a very kind of populist, almost semi-progressive approach to her politics and the whatever seems to be flavor of the day, which will get the most attention. The focus seems to be going towards those areas rather than what Tarrant County needs. And I feel there's an, almost an effort of appeasement to people moving into the state rather than the people who have lived here for decades. That's a good way to describe it. On her part. And, you know, she's been in that position for almost as long, I think, as I've been in Texas. And yet she's still really not untouchable, but somebody who people don't. I think, identify with. There doesn't seem to be a character, a likable character behind the person. It's been a very hands-off approach to government because if you ask anybody around here, what do you know about this person? They can tell you her job, but in terms of giving her opinions on politics, she's been, I think, kind of glided through, like I said, on populism rather than actually standing up against anything mm -hmm. you know she's gone with the flow and yeah she, she hadn't fought against anything yeah. it, this that's a good way to describe her she's uh, she's done a very good job of creating an image of somebody who loves fort worth and howdy y'all and all those kind of things but when it comes to policy she's very weak when it comes to ideas i haven't seen a one from her this campaign and i literally mean not one we've had a couple of candidate forums she sends out emails she sends out stuff I have not seen one idea come from her. In fact, she has said that the Tarrant County property tax rate, she thinks is in a good spot. Well, the Tarrant County property tax rate, there are 254 counties in the state of Texas. The overall county property tax rate in Tarrant County is the sixth highest in the entire state, number six of 254. And we're the largest Republican-led county government in the state by population. So our commissioner's court, which is who runs the county government, who, who sets the budget, sets the tax rates, our county government is uh, it's majority Republican, and we're the largest by population Republican-led uh, or Republican you know, county in the state. And 
our overall property tax rate, county, just the county, not the city taxes, not the school taxes, county property tax rate is about 45 cents per $100 of value. So put that in real numbers. If you have a $100,000 property, you pay 450 to the county. If you have a million, you pay 4,500 and so on. The second largest Republican county by population in the state of Texas is Collin County. The county property tax rate in Collin County is about 16 cents per $100. We're literally almost three times. So when she was mayor of Fort Worth, her policies, her votes, raised property taxes on the average homeowner by 53% over that 10-year period. Many homeowners saw their property taxes under her watch double. Business owners, business properties saw their taxes, I mean, shoot through the roof. And, uh, you know, that, that's who she is. That's what she stands for. That's what she believes. You, uh, you probably remember this. During the pandemic, she shut down businesses, declared some essential over another. She told churches, close your doors. Uh, and she put in a mask mandate. And then when Governor Abbott lifted the mask mandate, she said, it's too soon. We shouldn't be doing this. And she didn't agree with it. I've publicly stated I would never require mass mandates, never require vaccine mandates, would never declare one business essential over another. If it's your business, it's essential. It's essential to you. It's essential to your family. It's essential to your employees and their family. And it's essential to your customers. And I would, heaven forbid, never dream of shutting down a church. I think history is going to look back on this time and say, we handled this the wrong way. And in doing what all these government entities did, shutting everything down, I think they've done, I don't know if it's permanent, but it is damage to our society. You talk to any small business owner, you talk to any large business, they have a difficult time getting people into work, getting quality people and getting them to stay, getting them not to think they should just come and go as they see fit. It's, it's had devastating effects on our economy that I think we're just starting to see the full effects of. That was a mistake. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way I would do it. Yeah. Let, let's back up uh, to the property tax situation. So you said, you know, we we had the increase or whatever, the 50 some odd percent and all that. But if we have such high property taxes, how did we get there? Have you kind of can have you kind of dug into that and figured out how how did the property taxes get so high? How, yeah. did, how did we actually arrive there? And then the second piece, how are you going to fix it? Yeah, so I know exactly how we got there. Uh, the nature of government is to grow. It is insatiable. And everyone that gets into office comes up with their ideas of how, oh, we'll do this or we'll do that or we'll do this. Well, then that costs money. And it becomes real easy to spend other people's money. And so governments don't have to produce anything. Governments just collect taxes. They collect revenue from the people off, off of us, off of individuals, off of homeowners, off of businesses. So some elected official or group of elected officials comes up with this great idea they have about how we're going to help this group or help that group or help this situation. So they need more people to run it. They need more money to do it. So they just grow and grow. And they think, some of them get in there, they think they're doing great stuff and they think they're doing wonderful things. And, you know, we have a need for government. I mean, we can't not have a government, but you want people that get in there that are business-minded, that understand the value of a dollar, that understand that's somebody else's money that they worked hard for, and most elected officials don't view it that way. Most elected officials think they're doing wonderful, amazing work as government grows and grows and grows. So part of it is government has grown at a record pace, uh, certainly did under, under her watch in Fort Worth, but then the second piece of it is this. Our property values in uh, Tarrant County, really in all of North Texas, historically were very low compared to other major metropolitan areas. So once people started moving in based on politics, and that's what's happened. We have people moving out of California. We got a lot of people here afraid that people moving from California are going to bring those values. Well, most of them want to get out and they want to come somewhere like Texas we got people coming out of New York, people coming out of Illinois, moving here because they want to live free and they want to be around uh, uh, like-minded people and, and live in a place that loves America for what, it, what it's supposed to be 
and, and what it has been, not what they're trying to turn it into now. So when that happened and when more and more companies were relocating to Texas, well, homes became more scarce, land became more scarce, and prices went up. So what happens there? Well, when the values go up from the appraisals, the taxes are going to go up. The elected officials in charge didn't adjust. So she is a prime example of it. So early on, she might cut the tax rate in the city by half a cent or a cent or something like that. But I would ask you this. I would ask your, your viewers this. So if you paid, let's say, $4,500 to the county property taxes in the year 2020, and then the county votes for a half cent tax rate decrease, and you just paid $4,500 the year before. They cut the tax rate by half cent, and then the next year you pay $5,400 instead of $4,500. Did you get a tax cut? I don't know anybody that calls that a tax cut except elected officials. Right. So, it it yeah. looks good on paper, so So to you speak. get to say, yeah. I cut taxes. Right. Well, she's the master at that. She keeps telling people she cut their taxes, yet the numbers don't lie. Tax, average, the average homeowner's taxes went up 53%. Um, businesses where there's not an appraisal cap, business properties soared. I mean, I mean climbed astronomically, and then they come in and they give you a little half-cent tax cut or a little quarter-cent of a tax cut so they can run for re-election and say, I cut your taxes when they didn't. So that combination is what got us here. We're not going to get out of it unless somebody gets, I mean, it's not going to organically change. It's not going to just happen. It's not going to change unless somebody like me gets in and says, hey, we're going to change the way we do business. We're going to bring a business-minded approach, some innovative entrepreneurial way of thinking to government, which so often doesn't exist, and we're going to look for ways to cut costs like a, a for-profit business does to maximize shareholder value. We don't have people trying to maximize taxpayer value. We have people that look at the taxpayer as, um, well, this is where we get all our money from, but you go away. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And I'll come in there and I'll put a stop to that. So the question you asked was, how are you going to do it? So I have a plan to put a 20% property tax rate cut in my first year in office, county property tax rate. But the other thing we're going to do, state of Texas, everybody's heard of homestead exemptions. So you, a lot of cities and school districts offer homestead exemptions. It's usually up to only about 20%. Well, the county by state law, can offer up to a 20% homestead exemption on your county property taxes. Any idea what Tarrant County does? None. The big zero. Yep. They don't allow you one cent off your county property taxes. And tax the only rate. reason I know that, Tim, is because I just filled mine out. I bought a house like six months ago, so it, yeah. it's not like most people know people that. Know. But uh, yeah. I knew that because I just filled out the That's paperwork. good. Well, you're, you know more than most, and so we we got to educate people on that. But the other thing I'm going to do is go, go put that on commissioner's court agenda for a vote. And let's force the commissioners that are on there, for the people that don't know, Every county in Texas, Tarrant County is no different. The county government is managed by a five-member board called a commissioner's court. It's called a court. has nothing to do with court of law. has nothing to do with juries, trials, no black robes and gavels and wigs, you know. Yeah, we went um, over that last time you were here. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed that you didn't come in with a black <laughs> robe on, even though you well, say you don't get to wear one mm, if you're elected. But I, right. I think maybe he should change that. We could that. start. Mm, I, yeah, I, could, I, mean, I don't maybe mind putting like a black the, robe on. Yeah, the wig and everything. We I can mean, come to our normal cult meeting on Saturday night if he wants to wear <laughs> well, black robes. Yeah, so. that's true. We'll do, yeah, with black robes, wigs. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll institute that. I haven't yeah. given that Make a lot of thought. Make you feel more at home. It would, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah would, especially with yeah. the wigs. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Now, it, going back to the whole tax thing, and you know, the taxes have went up basically. You know, especially if you look at what you're stroking the check for, right? So maybe the tax rate didn't, but the amount of money you're paying did, right? Which is what people really care about. I mean, the tax it's how rate much they is, pay. They, they don't yeah. care about the tax rate. Yeah, they care they, about what am I? What's coming out of my pocket? So, yeah. it, so if all that's went up, where's that money been going? I would tell you, government is almost always mismanaged uh, dollars. They overstaff. They don't know how to um, get the most out of the people, and they also don't know how to staff departments properly. They also regularly 
uh, don't require people to produce and work hard. Now, that is not to say nobody in government works hard, but we, have, we regularly see in government positions and departments somebody over here that doesn't work hard. And so what should happen when that's, that person should be dealt with, explained, here's how you got to do it, here's what we expect of you, and if they don't produce, then you get rid of them, just like you would in the private sector. What, what do we have in government? Once you get a job, it's almost for life. I mean, you got to steal or you got to do something egregious to lose a job. So when a person comes in that doesn't do their job well, instead of say, trying to train them up and get them the right spot, they just go get somebody else to cover the work that that person's not doing, and they don't get rid of that person. So then, when you had a job for one, now you have two. Well, what happens, that second person you hire may have been a phenomenal worker, but they don't have enough to do. So they sit over there with a job, and after enough time, they become less effective. And then 15 years later, they now have a third person to come in and do it. And in that, and that I saw that in city government. I've seen it in school government. Um, now, people want we're going to take a piece of that out and say, people that work for the government don't work hard. Well, you know what? There's people in the private sector that don't work hard. Um, if somebody doesn't work hard and do the job they're supposed to do, then they shouldn't get to keep their job. It's not just something where we take money out of your pockets and say, here, we're going to pay these people for life no matter what they do or how they perform, but often that's what happens in government. So you got to have people that know how to motivate people, how to get the best out of them, know how to train them to do what they should do, and if they don't, uh, then you got to move on, and, and that's a valuable lesson for them to learn, and maybe they realize they're not going to do things differently. What, what President Trump did which is I want to bring the same kind of approach to Tarrant County. He brought business people in to run departments and organizations uh, to try to change that entrenched bureaucratic culture and try, try to bring that entrepreneurial, innovative type way of thinking to government. And that's not easy to do. I mean, it's, and many of those places, you know, went after him with a vengeance. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing in Tarrant County. So when I was... Uh, on city council farmers branch and we were replacing a city manager we went and got somebody that was a vice president of a steel company not and what what do you normally do when you're looking for a government department head or position um, you go find another person that's been government for 28 years to hire him well we brought in a guy he had some government experience we were on guys a vice president of a steel company and he just brought a different way of looking at stuff. So I want to bring people into county government that have been tremendously successful at what they've done, but they're now looking to give back to their community, and they do it for true service and to make a difference and to clean up some of the mess. And if you do that, uh, over time, you'll save a significant amount of tax dollars. You'll be able to cut taxes, but you'll also get the most out of the dollars that you take. We all want good roads. We all want strong police. We don't, what's going, we don't want what's going on in Dallas County where you can steal something for under 750 bucks without a gun or knife and they won't prosecute you. We will prosecute the criminals and we will, we will put the criminals in jail or give them the punishment that they deserve. We're not going to cut any law enforcement. We're not going to cut the DA's office. But there's a lot of fluff in the budget that we can remove. And you got to stop thinking government is the answer to everything. If you just get out of the way, usually the private sector, the churches, individuals, and families will take care of most of the problems. Yeah. Now, at a national level, a federal level, it becomes pretty obvious when somebody's kind of out of the depth or they've been ascribed a position which perhaps they're not the best qualified for. I mean, if we take our transportation secretary, you know, during the supply chain crisis, he's at home for three months breastfeeding, which, you know, each to their own, but... <laughs> Um, right. You know, you've got to put people in a place, like you were saying, who know that job. I mean, if you want to run or use business-type principles, you've got to bring people in who have experience of running a business, who understand budgets, who understand cause and effect within economic systems. But at the local level, there's not always a lot of transparency in terms of how things work, or at least we don't get to see how things work, just like when Max asked about... How did property taxes get to that level? We're very unaware 
of what goes on in the background and how we end up right. down a certain street. What are you going to do to improve transparency in local government? That's a, that's a great question. What what you see, so the, the me- national media and the local media focus is all on national government. So you don't ever hear anything about what is the uh, Department of Public Safety in Texas doing? When's the last time you saw anything about that or the Department of Transportation or the Parks and Wildlife on the news or in the newspaper? You never see it. All media attention is focused on the federal. Well, truthfully, the local has way more impact on your daily life, way more than the federal government does. I mean, when's the last time Congress passed anything? You know, what do they pass, two, three bills a year now of any substance, if that? Um, the local level is where it's at. I, I, I tell people, and I believe this, perhaps the most important elected office in America today is school board. I mean, that is who is shaping the policies that shape the future direction of our country. It's ultra, ultra important, more so than it's ever been. You ask, how, how do we increase transparency? I think the first way you increase transparency is you make people aware and you tell people what's going on instead of trying to hide it or not tell them because you want to make sure you get reelected. So I, we probably talked about this last time. Uh, I don't say this like I'm some kind of uh, important guy or anything. I mean, I, I am important because I have a, a wife and four kids and I'm important to them and that's all the importance I need. But I don't have to work anymore. I don't need this job for a paycheck. I don't need this job for a pension. Um, I'm doing it because I believe in our country and I want to keep Tarrant County from falling into Democrat hands. Under my uh, opponent's leadership, Fort Worth went from solid double-digit Republican to 60% Democrat, 38% Republican. That's what happened in a 10-year period. It can happen that fast. We don't want Tarrant County to go the way of Dallas County. Dallas County is a disaster. Um, we, we want to make sure our county stays in conservative hands. We're the last Republican urban county in America. We don't, we don't want to mess that up. Uh, and we're, we are ground zero. The, the Democrats have targeted us, and we got to have somebody strong that's going to keep us. But you tell people about what's going on. You let them know. You, may, you, you keep them informed. You do that through your newsletters. You do that through your social media. If you'll notice now, our county judge has almost no social media presence whatsoever. Like it or lump it. Social media is here. It's the way people get their information. And if your constant way of thinking is, we don't want them to know this or we don't want them to know that, we want it to stay quiet, well, then you keep people from knowing things because a lot of people aren't going to go search it out and seek to find it. So you got to get it out there. you got to explain it to them. Just like I'm doing on, on your show and, and other shows like this, when you tell people that, you know, everybody thinks Tarrant County is conservative. Well, then when you tell them we have the sixth highest property tax rate in the entire state of Texas out of 254 counties, it blows their mind. you got to shine light on it. you got to explain it. And when you do, people will say, well, that's wrong. And then when you find more government bloat, if you can't get the commissioner's court to say, yeah, we got to fix this, then you expose it. And you put pressure on them. And you say, here's what we're dealing with, public. Come tell us how you feel. Come tell. I mean, you, we know how they feel. They want more of their own money and it isn't greedy and it isn't selfish to want to keep more of your own money. But for those who like to make it about rich versus poor, and we know this is what Democrats do. Uh, it's what Marxists do. It's rich versus poor, employer versus employee, black versus white, union versus non-union, public schools versus private schools, Christians versus non-Christians. That is the Democrat Party's platform. They don't actually have plans or ideas. It's just tax you more, spend more, and divide everyone. Well, people don't want to be divided. And so you got to talk about it. You got to get it out there. You got, you got to make sure people know what is really happening in government. And if they do, most people are actually more conservative than they think. So that's how you make things more transparent. Yeah. Now, Tarrant County's a patchwork of cities in respect that some of them are very different from each other. I live in Keller, and obviously you know um, our mayor, Armin Mizani, and he's very supportive of you. Yeah, he's a good dude. But Not I, just for that. He, yeah. he, he's, he's a good mayor, and they're, they've, they, they're spending wisely in the city of Keller. Yeah, but there are some cities which you're going to have a little bit of a harder time I guess, getting them on the same page. Yeah, and a harder sale. Yeah. Um, how do you intend to kind of win over 
some of these city councils which you know perhaps have the focus is on things like scare tactics where the federal government has convinced them that oh you know it's an apocalypse in this area because of you know all this discrepancy between this this and they never provide any figures which mean anything it's a doom and gloom scenario that if we don't suddenly have a blue state or a blue city that you know, just the rich people will stay rich living in their mansions and everybody else will eventually just be, you know, in Section 8 housing. And unfortunately, there are some politicians who adopt that viewpoint and feel that their role is more draconian over people who don't know any better and shouldn't have a say in the system. Yes. Like the Democrat governor from Virginia who said parents shouldn't have a say in their right. kids' education. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see how that turned out for him. Right. Yeah. yeah. So with that on the line and this almost win at any costs do we have any issues within tarrant county with the integrity of our elections i mean i think we look at tarrant county and think okay we're pretty much okay i'm sure there's not too much fraud but we don't know at the end of the day yeah. um is that a threat given that the difference between democrats and republicans in some areas of yeah. tarrant county is pretty close yeah so t there's two two different issues you brought up there i'll, I'll talk about election integrity in a second so when it comes to winning over city councils, well, I have to win over the voters. And so I would rather lose and stay true to my principles and tell people who I am, what I believe, what I will do. What I have seen in the past is when someone's genuine and honest and tells them they can see it and they can tell it. And I think we are all tired of politicians who say one thing and then do another. So I, what you see with me is what you get. I mince no words. I think Democrats are ruining the country. And I think there are way more people in the country that vote Democrat that aren't really as liberal as the Democrat leaders are. And if you talk to them and give them a reason to vote for somebody else, they will. They want somebody that will not talk down to them and not lord over them, but just to talk to them like normal people and explain Here's why this is a bad thing, and here's why that's a bad thing. You're not going to win them all over. You're not going to get very close to that. But you can win some of them over and bring them over to our side. We can absolutely reverse the trend of Tarrant County going in, going farther and farther to the middle. We can absolutely reverse that trend. But how you get other school board members and city council members to see things our way is you got to stand up and take the arrows. Tarrant County needs a leader. You know what? Dallas County has a leader. I disagree with pretty much every political position that he has and every political view he has, but it's the county judge over there, Clay Jenkins. He leads Dallas County. Everybody knows that's the guy who sets the tone for politics in Dallas County. Um, we need a leader in Tarrant County just that reflects our values, pro-America, pro-family, pro-faith, pro-constitution. I will be that guy. And when somebody stands up and takes the arrows and leads the way, then others will follow suit. Now, we have school board members, we have city council members, we have mayors all over the county backing us. You know, we don't have a mayor, the mayor of Arlington. The mayor of Arlington just signed a letter saying he was for the federal, federalization of our elections, the Biden voter integrity bill. Uh, that's not what our country needs. And that's not what we need for our county or our state either. Uh, we're not going to win them all over because some people are ideologically very different than us. There are two ideologies right now in this country, and they, there is no compromise between the two of them. There is a socialist Marxist ideology, and there is a pro-America capitalist ideology. We used to have two political parties that loved America and just had different ideas of the way to get to here or there, what should be going on. I don't believe we have that anymore. I think we have one, the leaders of whom and the people on the far left that dictate the way they're going to vote and how they're going to lead hate America and want to destroy everything about it. And then we have people on our side which, who love America, uh, think America's done more good than any other country in the history of the world for not just the people in it, but also the people outside of it. I'm one of those people. There are more of us than there are of them. And we just got to give them a reason to come out and vote for us. Voter integrity. So can I tell you, sitting here with absolute certainty, unequivocally, factually, that Democrats cheated in this election and it changed this outcome in Tarrant County, I can tell you this. 
Uh, I can't tell you unequivocally, yes, like I have, here's the proof and let me hand it to you on a piece of paper. I can tell you, President Trump won, if you take out the mail-in ballots, won Tarrant County by 18,000 votes. Then he lost on the mail-in ballots by 20,000. Statistically, that is so abnormal because the mail-in is such a tiny, tiny piece of the overall vote. You have... He won, so it was a close election, and then you throw in the mail-in, which the disparity between the numbers that voted for Biden versus numbers of Trump are astronomically large. How does that happen without funny business? Well, I don't think it does. And so I think most of the cheating happens from the ballot harvesting that goes on through the mail-in system. Uh, that that That's one thing. But the other thing I would say is how much election fraud is okay. We don't think a handful of murders are okay. We don't think a handful of sex trafficking is okay. We don't think any of that is okay. We know there's evil in the world. We're not going to make, there's never going to be a day where there's not a single murder in Tarrant County. Um, But that doesn't mean we don't stop trying to stop it, prosecute it, and keep it from happening. Same deal with voter fraud. It's absolutely there. It absolutely goes on. Did it, did it affect the Trump election in Tarrant County? I think it did. Did it affect any other race on the ballot? Couldn't tell you. Ultimately, Trump got all the electoral votes in Texas anyway, so that didn't matter from a, that it affected the outcome of the presidential election, but it certainly mattered because it affected what Democrats are doing now and how Republicans view it now. But I've proposed something called an election integrity officer. And this position would, would do two things. They would basically be independent of elections administration. They would report to a three person committee, the county judge, the sheriff, and a commissioner from the commissioner's court is voted on by the full court. So that's the three-person group. And this person would be responsible for overseeing elections, not overseeing elections, overseeing what they do, looking to see what they do, and then making recommendations how they could do it better, how they could do it in a way that safeguards our elections better. But the second thing I think is the most important part. This person is going to go seek to root out and have voter fraud prosecuted. Currently, we don't have anybody in the county actually out going out to find it. We have drug trafficking task forces that are a combination of multiple law enforcement agencies. We have sex trafficking task forces. You know, the Secret Service is out actively seeking to find counterfeiters that are responsible for counterfeit money. We don't have anybody in Tarrant County actively out seeking to find voter fraud, and that's the second and key piece of what this position will do. And what will it do? Well, we'll get to the bottom of it. We'll find some. And uh, we'll prosecute it, and then that, that will serve as a significant deterrent. But who knows, the day may come where there's an election that the winner or loser wins on fraud. It happened maybe four, five, six years ago now in Democrat primary. It was proven there was cheating that got one person in over another, and it threw out a long-term state rep. Now, throwing out Democrat state reps for another one, there's not much of a difference. But it was, uh, it was cheating, and that's what got that person in. So we know it, we know it happens. And somebody's got to get in there that takes it seriously and will try to do everything they can to put a stop to it. Yeah, I kind of think back to the point you made about the, uh, you know, if you steal whatever the number is. Now, I know in California it's like $950 worth of stuff. $750. So you kind of talk about that point of, well, it's almost not illegal, right? You don't prosecute against it. And then you, somebody made a decision somewhere, 750 bucks, And then you could ask yourself, well, why not 1750 Well, that's next. Or yeah. 2750 bucks, right? So you also talk about that election integrity part. And you're like, well, there's a little bit of cheating. You know, where, where do you draw that line, right? Uh, is it 1%? Is it, you know, whatever. But... Setting all that aside, you being an attorney, do you have enough evidence that you could have, if you had one of these people, like, or or maybe let's pretend for a minute you're that guy, do you have enough evidence that you could prove in a court of law that there was tampering, there was, you know, malfeasance that went on? You know, putting that attorney hat on, yeah, right? So, could you prove it in a court of law? So you get into things like burden of proof and... So am I aware of an individual, proof that an individual could be prosecuted and proven 
in a court of law beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the standard in a criminal case, that they committed voter fraud? No. If you were bringing a case to prove before a jury that voter fraud existed, but it wasn't one individual at this point, could you prove with circumstantial evidence, anecdotal evidence, documented evidence that voter fraud exists? Yes, I think you could absolutely meet that burden. Just with, with people that are on the voter rolls that voted who don't live here anymore, but they voted here, people on the voter rolls that uh, when they showed up to vote, they said, oh, I'm sorry, you've already voted early mail-in ballot. And they were saying, no, no, I didn't. I didn't request a mail-in ballot. And there was a mail-in ballot that had already come in. There's enough where I think if you brought the evidence before a jury, they would say, oh, yeah, there's definitely enough evidence here to know it happened. Uh, against an individual that I can name or not name and say we could convict this person of a crime, no, I don't have that. We had spoken before about voter ID in the the costs to issue a voter ID at the birth of every person in the United States and send out a new one every five years for the rest of that person's life is less than the money they've spent on opposing voter ID laws. We could, we could literally send a, a free ID out to everybody every five years and well, let's not completely, pretend. completely get rid of yeah. this entire issue, but they have no interest in passing anything resembling identity And let's not pretend we don't know why. Mm. The why is Democrats want people who are here illegally to vote because they think they're going to vote for them, but they also get to use it for what we talked about earlier for that division. So they can say, oh, Republicans don't want minorities to vote. Republicans don't want black people to vote. Republicans don't want poor people to vote because it's so hard to get an ID. I mean, think we all know, we've heard this before, but how many things do you have to have an ID for? Almost everything, to get medicine, to see the doctor, to, to, to I mean, buy beer. To, I mean, there's so many things you have to have an ID for. And somehow, all these people that Democrats claim can't vote because they can't get an ID, somehow they get medicine. Somehow they buy beer. Somehow they can do the things that you have to have an ID to do. They just can't vote. So we, we know what it really is. They want people to vote illegally. And they want eventually, and we're seeing it in New York right now, they want people who aren't even citizens of this country to vote. That's, that's who they are and what they believe. And everything for Democrats is about power. Um, it's not about upholding the law. You, know, you talked about the law. Laws either matter or they don't. So it's like illegal immigration. Well, are we going to enforce laws on this or are we not going to enforce them? And if everybody can pick and choose which laws they don't follow, okay, I know which one I don't want to follow. I don't want to pay income taxes anymore. So if it's okay for 12 million of us to say we're not paying income taxes and nothing's going to happen to you, okay, that's the one I don't want to follow. And then second is, is speeding. I'd like to be able to go faster. Mm. So if we're not going to follow those, I, that'd I be agree my choices. with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can get rid of the speeding law. Well, I'm driving a CRV at the moment. So it doesn't well, yeah, uh, I know. And I'm driving a Jeep <laughs> yeah. Wrangler. So, yeah, back in the day when I had a fast car, that would have been fun. You can but, speed. Yeah. It just costs you like nine miles to the gallon to do it. No, yeah. no, I can't yeah. even speed not even Okay. No, no, I, I try not to even go on the highway because about 70 is all that Jeep wants to do. Do they still make the, CRVs? Yeah. They do? Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, not, it's not a bad car. It, bad. It'll outrun the Jeep, you know. You know, I had to learn how to uh, use the accelerator to actually get some acceleration. You've got to keep taking your foot off every now and then as it changes gear. Just get that extra little bit of juice to actually speed off. And sometimes I can get up to 40 miles per hour within like, four or five minutes. I yeah. mean, it's pretty good. Still faster than yeah. a Jeep, though. Well, so, I drive a Ford truck, and it, I have a V8, so I burn gas. I'm not sure we can still say that in America, but uh, I don't have any problem accelerating. Well, yeah, no, you, you're you're going to own gas. Yeah, oh, you're, you're going to outrun the Jeep Wrangler, that's for sure. Uh, Tim, before we go, let's talk about some of the endorsements that uh, you've received. I mean, I don't think we have enough time on the podcast to actually list every single one that you've got. So maybe, you know, kind of hit the highlights because I've, I've looked over the list. I mean, it's a pretty long list, but let's talk about some of those. Sure. Well, uh, of course, number one at the top of the list is we have the endorsement of President Trump. Uh, at least the last time I looked, 
Um, I am the only local candidate in America that President Trump has endorsed. And my opponent went to the White House multiple times while he was in office, and then he's endorsed me. So you can draw your own conclusions there. We're also endorsed by Senator Ted Cruz. We are uh, endorsed by multiple Congress people, Beth Van Dyne, Michael Burgess, my former, Beth is my current Congresswoman, my former Congressman Matthew, uh, uh, Kenny March and his son is Matthew, who's, who endorsed me as well. Uh, we have the current Republican Party chairman, the current state party chairman, the last state party chairman, the last state party chairman, the last state party chairman. One state party chairman didn't endorse because he can't because he works on the Abbott campaign, but he said, tell everybody if I was in Tarrant County voting, I'd vote for you. And then the, the chair before that and the chair before that. We have all the most recent Republican Party chair people men and women in Tarrant County. We are absolutely the choice of conservatives in Tarrant County. I think it's the, the lines have been drawn and it's very clear. People know who the conservative candidate is and they know who the moderate to liberal candidate is. And so we're the conservative candidate. Unfortunately, we have a whole lot of folks. We have, I think we're up to over 1,200 people that have endorsed us. And uh, the President Trump one, of course, we have at the top of the list. And I was able to talk to him on the phone, uh, I don't know, it's been about seven or eight weeks ago. So we had a great conversation. People asked, what's he like? We also met him, I met him this weekend and uh, got to bring my wife and my oldest daughter, who is a, uh, actually, she's 11. She wrote a letter to President Trump. She brought it down one night, probably three, four years ago. Uh, she brought it down. Uh, she was working on it herself. We didn't tell her to do it. We didn't. She's just very political-minded, this young lady. And uh, so I looked at it. Well, she wrote, you know, and then, of course, she got a letter back two or three months later, and it looks like he signed it. You know, they have a pretty good pen that makes it look good. And so she couldn't wait to meet him and couldn't wait to tell her people at school. So he's actually very witty. Uh, he's charming. He's good with kids. He asked me when we met him on Saturday backstage before the rally, you know, how's the race going? And he he asked me, uh, did, did my endorsement give you a big bump? And before I could answer, he said, of course it did. <laughs> so he's, sounds, he's, pretty, he's pretty good to deal sounds with. Sounds like something Trump would that's say. That's exactly I mean, right. let's be yeah. honest. That's yeah. right. Yeah. No, that's, that's very cool. So uh, we've got the primaries coming up. And then, of course, November time is kind of the real election, right? I mean, you, of course, you've got to get through the primary to then be able to run for, for the end game there. Do you have any idea who your Democratic uh, opponent might maybe be? You know, I, I know you probably don't want to, you know, look ahead and say, here's who I think is going to win that primary. But yeah. do you have a pretty good idea who's that, who that's going to be? Well, so the primary, I would tell you, is the real election. Right. Because we're likely to win in sure. November in Tarrant County. So the, whoever wins the Republican nomination on March 1st, is likely to be the the next county judge and the next county judge for you know eight twelve years. Right. Uh, there's two people running the Democrat primary. One is former Democrat Party chair Deborah Peoples, who is just your typical left wing anyone that supports Trump is a racist thinking type person. And then the other one is a former Arlington City Councilman named Marvin Sutton. And as to which one of the two is likely to win. I, I mean, I really don't know uh, if, if I had to bet money, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't bet much. If I had to bet money, I'd probably say it was her. Coin flip. I, I really think? don't know. I don't pay much attention to their primary. I, mean, I don't pay any attention to their primary. Ultimately, when one of them emerges, uh, then I'll start paying attention, and we'll uh, we'll make sure we put the word out on who that person is. There's already enough out about Deborah Peoples. I don't know Marvin Sutton. I've never met Marvin Sutton, but. Uh, Assuming he wins, we will we'll, we'll we'll find out about him really quick. If uh, Deborah Peoples wins, the book on her is pretty much out. I mean, right. she's your typical race baiting Democrat who tries to pit everyone against everybody else, and anybody that's Republican is a racist. I mean, that's just the same old song and dance that we hear from some of those people over there. Yeah, I got you. So uh, as we close, please let all the listeners and the folks that are watching on YouTube know how to find out more about you and more about the campaign. Uh, probably would not hurt to give one last reminder about election times and dates and all that good stuff. So we're, we're going to turn this over to you. Okay, well, I, Tim O'Hare, uh, and I'm running for Tarrant County Judge, and I'd be honored to have your vote. 
Republican, independent, or Democrat, I'm going to fight for your families. I'm going to fight for our country. I'm going to fight for our area. You can count on me to do what I say. You can count on me to keep my word. You can go to my website at electtimohare.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Timothy O'Hare. We also have a Facebook page, Tim O'Hare for Tarrant County Judge. Uh, we'd love to have your support uh, financially. We'd love to have your vote. We'd love to have your working on our campaign. We have an army of volunteers, and we have a lot of fun and a bunch of good people. Election day is March 1st. Early voting is February 14th through the 25th, and it would be an honor to represent what I believe is the greatest county in America, Tarrant County, Texas, and we'd, we'd love to, to be your county judge. Well, Thank you, Tim, for joining us. Once again, good luck in the election. Uh, hope to have you back after you're, you know, elected county judge. We full well expect, though, if you do come back, black robe. We're that, we're, it, it, at least just for the podcast, come back with a black robe. I on. can do the black robe. I'm not sure I can do the wig. No, no, no wig. He needs a wig worse than you. You know, that's why he wears the hat, covering up that bald head. But with all that said, thanks for tuning into this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Please reach out to Tim if you have any questions. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please click the subscribe link down below with our logo on it. Uh, that does help us out. We appreciate it. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, thewolfandtheshepherd.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes when you get a chance. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for additional content. Join us next time for another episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Ooh.